0: What you are about to hear is a product of the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. While a million or so medical professionals around the world were saving lives, something else was taking place beneath the radar. Almost a hundred musicians from around the world, trapped in their bedrooms and living rooms, forbidden to play in public, wondering what they could do to save the world. Everyday musicians slaving away on what you are about to hear. As you enjoy this masterpiece, remember, it is players like these who may ultimately turn out to be the COVID champions of 2020.
1: So here we are, folks. Podcast number two. Your memory and attention spans may not extend back this far, so let me recap what happened in episode number one. As with all of these, it's about something we're calling the lockdown sessions. I invited all the musicians I knew I'd come in contact with to record one little element, just 24 or 36 bars of a song that everyone was familiar with, namely Kansas City Blues, and just record these into their home recorder or iPhone or something like that. And then I got to work combining all these different parts into one big recording. The maddening part of this was that everyone was working alone, without reference to one another, with no master track, no score, and all they had to go on was this little demo of me and an acoustic guitar. And it was very rough, I have to admit. And they all did this in the belief, this vague belief, that one day this all might end up as a recording. Which it did. Now the first podcast which i very cleverly entitled. Episode 1 was about the first half of this recording. Episode 2, which is the one you're going to be listening to now, is just the second half of that same recording. Later, you're going to discover that this is just the beginning, that I've ended up with so many different recordings that I now have multiple tracks, multiple concepts that are going to be revealed in future episodes. Each one will be really different. By the way the first episode attracted a lot of guesses from listeners as to the identity of the performers, but sadly no one came close to identifying the 50% that I required. The man I interviewed in the last episode, that is the first vocalist and also the harmonica player on the first part of a Kansas City track, the actor and radio presenter and musician, His name was Peter Healy, and that's something that was quite easy to find with a little bit of internet research. Now, the guy I'm meeting with today, I'm not going to tell you his name until the next episode. And he too is someone you could find in a 10-minute web search. Now, we're going to do three things in this episode. The first one is to introduce the performer that you're going to have to guess the name of. That's easy. The next thing is to play you the second half of that cancer city recording we've been talking about and the third is to delve into a topic that i personally find if not distasteful then certainly disturbing and this involves a relatively modern but serious international transgression known as cultural appropriation or as some people describe it cultural misappropriation and there's a very strong possibility that you and i have been committing this well, transgression, sometimes maybe not even knowing what it is. Let me explain how it works. It appears that you're guilty of this if you belong to a dominant culture and you take cultural items that traditionally belong to repressed, disadvantaged or a minority culture. Minority Minority culture. 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 Minority culture. In other words, if you're one of the village people and you go running around in an Indian headdress, or should I say a Native American headdress, then you are guilty, or you are said to be guilty, of cultural appropriation. Unless of course, you are a Native American. You're not going to like hearing this, but about 99% of all the blues players in the world are, or according to some, equally as guilty. And if Google is your guide, you can look this up and see that white men like me who play in blues bands are the worst kind of offenders. Now, the man we're going to speak to next is an even more blatant offender. In fact, he's one of the greatest offenders in this area that I can think of. Because, and this is just between us, he once made a very successful career out of pretending to be a New Zealander. And no, it's not Russell Crowe and it's not Tim Finn. And bearing in mind how many people are allowed to congregate in one particular place, and following all the rules of social distancing, we've agreed to meet in a public space where we'll be completely inconspicuous. We're meeting in the outdoor car park of an industrial-sized hardware store. Now that is a sight. I wish you were here to see this right now. There he is standing over there beside a red and white vehicle. And he's a big man, as you might expect from one of Australia's most feared gridiron players, which he used to be. Even more subtle, he has this fantastic grey afro. Oops, you're allowed to say afro these days. Anyhow, you know what I mean. Because there are so many musicians involved, then there's a competition going on where I'm offering a lifetime supply of alcohol. Providing <laughs> so I'm to win it, right? <laughs> providing... Because I don't drink. Their so life I... doesn't go past one <laughs> carton. Yeah. For anybody who can guess, half the musicians no. are on the tracks. Okay. So I, what I was planning to do was just to pull out a couple of people from the mix mm-hmm. and to do a little chat with them to see if we can give people a hint about who's involved Right. In okay. and you are one of them. Yeah. So I'm actually dropping a few hints about what their backgrounds are or uh-huh. what they're known for. And in your case, I do know that you once played in a Maori band. Yeah. A touring Maori band.
0: Maori. And
1: you're not even from New Zealand?
0: I was for that period of time. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a process of replacing musicians. You know, it was originally an old Maori show band. Uh, and as new people came in, they took the place of the original members and then eventually there was only one Kiwi left, the drummer.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So you were Until all they ends, found were you? me and they went, oh, <laughs> he'll do <laughs> I remember I used to go and see these at the Easter show. Oh, yeah. I didn't go to the Easter show, by the way. It was out in Long Ridge. But yeah. they used to go way out. Oh. oh,
0: everywhere, yeah. The touring shows. Yeah.
1: Extraordinary music.
0: Tikiwis was the name of that band. Was it? Yeah, Tikiwis, T-I-K-I-W-I-S. Oh, right. Yeah.
1: And did they all have names? Because I only ever knew them as the Maori touring. Maori. <laughs> My mouth doesn't open that way.
0: Um, Maori troubadours. Troubadours, was yeah. one band. Kiwis was another. Uh, there was Ricky May who was a well-known entertainer. Oh,
1: yeah. Do you know one of our friends used to be his keyboard player?
0: Okay, who was that?
1: One of our friends.
0: Yeah, okay. We're
1: playing, oh I'm playing with him on the weekend. Oh really? He's got a moustache and an Italian name
0: <laughs> I think I know who you mean. Yeah. I got to meet Ricky because he knew our band. I was doing a residency at a casino on Hobart. We were there for 12 months, actually, playing in the nightclub there. So we would play six nights a week from 10 till about 3 in the morning. And all the shows would come through to the main showroom downstairs. Ricky May was one of those shows that come up every night and have a chat. And, and yeah. just a great entertainer. You know, he could just turn it on now. Yeah. You know.
1: yeah. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't know who he was now. No. He was a great And as our conversation continues, i become aware of an interest in the people in the car park. Not everyone, but people who are passing by are paying us a little more attention than can be attributed to just the presence of microphones and a recorder. I'm thinking that even though our conversation here has been retrospective so far, the interest of the passers-by is much more contemporary. In fact, I suspect my friend here is known to them in some way.
0: Great musician but a great entertainer that, that's the difference in those days musicians were entertainers as well because people yeah. expected more than just some self-indulgent person getting up there and
1: doing another solo <laughs> you know,
0: they expected something to happen and that's why the bands that i toured with we worked six nights a week because we didn't just get up and play songs we did many sort of shows and stuff like that mm. so, you know it's supposed it to be entertaining i
1: think that's what i like playing with you people won't know this but you and i have played in a couple of bands in yeah. the past And you are an entertainer. And the reason I don't give you a lot of work, by the way, is because you're a bit of a limelight stealer. Yeah. But you'll have a go at anything. At this very moment, I'm thinking of my friend's former career as a stand-in musician in a touring Maori band. And I'm thinking of that great social offence, according to some people, of cultural misappropriation. Which leads me to think of other popular offenders in this category, such as Sasha Bowen, Sasha Baron, Sasha, what's his name? Sasha Baron Cohen. You know, the Borat character who makes benefit for the glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Which reminds me that I just saw a movie the other day called Eurovision, where Will Ferrell has a grand old time pretending to be an over the top singer from Iceland, complete with phony accent and silly hair, who has his ambition of becoming the next ABBA. If we apply the strict letter of the Google Law, that would be cultural misappropriation as well. Oh, I love all these new social prohibitions and norms.
0: When we were playing at the casino in Hobart, I played, you know, for example, one night John Farnham came in and said, can I sing some harmonies with you? So that's the calibre of musicians that I was hanging around with. I mean, I was just a plonker. Come from a small town in Queensland and playing with Shirley Bassey's brass section, stuff like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Shirley Bassey played downstairs, they would come up every night and play with us and i'm talking about guys that are session players in the u.s you know that used to come out with shows and the thing about that there's nowhere to hide you got to do something you know Mm. and it's a hard way to learn but the better musicians and the better entertainers were always encouraging yeah you didn't have to be a brilliant player Mm. you do your best and that that was good enough for most of the good people yeah but the other thing about playing there was it was six nights a week in the same club so you need to have a lot of new material so we would rehearse four to five days a week as well so you get your chops together pretty quick like that
1: so you did rehearse yeah
0: four days a week yeah
1: because i I listened to an interview about a guy who played trombone for duke ellington and count basie both bands yeah and neither of them ever rehearsed well not according to him
0: yeah well we were a rock show so well it was more funk then and you would never go up with a music stand (laughs) that just didn't happen right (laughs) Mm. well you have to rehearse really because no one really had any charts.
1: something unusual happens a burly security guard walks across the car park towards us I naturally think that this is because we've done something wrong and we are in breach of the new coronavirus do not loitering car parks regulations the guilty boy inside me instinctively turns off the recorder which was a mistake because instead of admonishing us for our transgressions this big security guard has another purpose he's here to pay his respects to the coach it seems that my friend here, the subject of my interview, is better known in these parts for his community work, for being an encourager of young people. He's known around here as coach rather so than I'm as maestro. I had this quirky idea that I was going to involve a lot of musicians. We're not having them all playing at once, you know, like mm. Phil Speck, The Wall of Sound. We're going to have separate <laughs> songs within the one song. Mm-hmm. So I came up with this way of identifying the different phases by just raising each one by a semitone. And you said, sure, I can do a semitone. Way well, you went. And it happened. Yeah. And yeah. there are a number of musicians in my network that took exception to this. I don't work in semitones. One that comes semitones. to mind is a saxophone player. He said, what sort of shit program is this? Why don't you go and get someone who knows <laughs> right. what they're doing to pull yeah. it together? Anyhow, I did find this beautiful, beautiful saxophone player. Mm. And I got him to do two choruses. And uh, he does do the semitone lift beautifully. Mm. And it is yeah. such an attention-getting thing when you do it. And this seems like the perfect spot to reintroduce the second half of our Kansas City project where musicians from all over the place sent in their little part to a massive project where they had no reference to one another, where there were no recording studios involved, and where they had no idea of how the final project was meant to sound. And by far the most challenging part of that exercise was getting the vocal harmonies to work. Because each singer had to pick a harmony line they're going to work on, a third or a fifth or a sixth or whatever, and then do their part without any reference to any other singer. And apart from the editing, that was by far the most challenging part of this exercise. Interestingly, well at least it's interesting to me, is that the harmony tracks we eventually ended up using, none of them came from the session singers. It was too hard to fit them in. So I have an Olympic champion, an athlete, I have a software engineer, And just of a few days ago, I headed a hardware store security guard. First time he's ever sung into a recorder as well. See if you can pick him out. A plane, but if I have to walk, I'm gonna get there just the same, I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come, they got some crazy little women there, and I'm gonna get me.
0: die, gotta find a new baby, that's the reason why I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City here I come, they got some groovy looking women there,
1: I'm gonna get me one, yes I'm going to Kansas Kansas City, Kansas City City, here I I come. come. Yes, I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got some mighty pretty women there, I'm going to get myself one. Yes, I'm going to Kansas City, going to Kansas City. I'm going to
0: Kansas
1: City. Going to Kansas City. Yes, I'm going to Kansas City. Going to Kansas City. Yes, I'm going to Kansas City. Going to Kansas City. They got some mighty pretty women there. I'm gonna get myself one. They got some mighty pretty women there, and I might get myself one. They got some mighty pretty women there. And if they open the borders, maybe I'll get myself one. Well, how about that? I thought it was pretty good now you've heard the first two episodes of the initial coronavirus lockdown musical creation, involving up to 100 musicians recording one little piece each, without reference to a master track, without reference to one another, and without the help of recording studios. Episode 1 featured 50% of the song. Episode 2, the one you've just listened to, the second 50%. The next podcast will feature a song which I think you'll find very, very different. Not only does it feature some unexpected musicians, it also features a soapy star from Los Angeles. In fact, I'm so impressed with this piece of music that I'm prepared to go on the record right here and now and make this offer. If you can find a more innovative piece of music recorded anywhere in the world, at any time during the pandemic, just point it out to me and... And I'll give you your money back. Before I leave you, if you've been wondering about that competition I've been bragging about, the details are on my website www.andtheguru.com Come on, you don't need me to spell that out. theguru.com.